Good morning. Welcome to Thy Strong Word. I'm Pastor A.J. Espinosa. We're reading the entire Bible together, book by book, chapter by chapter, and we have finished now the book of Joshua, all 24 chapters. So it's time to move on to a new book, and so I'm happy to announce we'll be taking a look at two books here, two of the minor prophets. So we've been going through this past year since past this past May. We've been looking at a lot of different parts of the Bible. We looked at the Gospel of John. We looked at some of uh, John's letters. We looked in the Old Testament all the way back in Numbers, the wilderness wanderings. We looked at Joshua, what happened when they crossed the Jordan River. We looked at Isaiah, uh, the, the devastation that happened through those empires like Assyria and Babylon. We looked at Ezra when they returned from Babylon and Daniel as they were doing so. And now we look at Haggai and Zechariah. These are two books of these minor prophets that say a little bit more about what it was like when they did finally get back and what was going on. So uh, really cool here. This is rounding out all of the different parts of the Bible that we've been looking at so far, and it will pave the way for a New Testament book to follow soon. So lots of cool things we're looking at. So Haggai, just two chapters. We'll do it just today and tomorrow, and there, there it is. And joining us today, we have, as our returning guest, we've got Pastor Stephen Tice, who's from Frona, Missouri. Welcome back. Good morning, brother. So good to start a new book of the Bible with you today. Well, good morning, and thank you. Yeah, it's uh, it's always interesting to, to grab a hold of, as you say, a new book. I mean, it's we've we've seen it before, we've read it before, but it's good to put it in this context of how does it fit in the flow of these accounts of the Old Testament people of God, Joshua, as you said, they're entering Canaan. Now we're going to go post-Isaiah and take a look at coming back from the Babylonian captivity, all kinds of ways in which the promises of God and the warnings of God show up again in the later prophets. And this is one right. of those minor prophets we call the, the minor, not because they're less important, but because their books are smaller or have uh, shorter content. So, so right. throw that word around. Right, right. And another another traditional term for it is that Haggai is one of the 12. And so that yeah. goes back to, again, the length of it, just that, you know, since scrolls were uh, precious and valuable things, right? You, you didn't mm -hmm. just, uh, you know, put one paragraph there and then just, you know, not use the rest of the scroll. Um, no, you would uh, go ahead and fill that thing up. And so these are the one of this is one of the 12 anyway. Uh, smaller, shorter ones, as you were saying, that would have been put all on the same scroll together um, from that later period. Yeah, and this, um, as we look at this particular section, this particular book, it, it's a short book in the sense that we divide it into only two chapters, um, but it, it's very clearly the Word of God and then the action of God's people still there in, in the uh, content and in the division of, of what's provided for us. Absolutely. And we'll also see how it has, aside from just a shorter length, it has a little bit of a different feel uh, compared to some of the things that we've seen before. This doesn't look—it's it, a prophet, you know. It's not mm -hmm. um, altogether different from something like Isaiah that we read before. But it, even then, it is a little bit different here, as we're going to see. So um, two little chapters, but a lot to them and uh, to follow— we'll have Zechariah. So 
so good to have you with us. And Thank as you. we get started, would you say a prayer for us and for everyone uh, joining us today as we begin this new book? Certainly. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Almighty and gracious Lord, we rejoice that you pour out upon us the gift of your word that you've given us in the word who became flesh, proof that you have great love for all humanity and that you have great love for your people. We ask, Lord, that you guide us as we consider the message that Haggai brings to the people of his day, but also how these same words apply in our day. Bless all those who struggle in their daily lives, whether it be with health issues, with relationship issues, or financial issues, whether it might be in a land of of destruction and terror because of warfare or other activities of sinful human beings, with the assurance that your spirit is with us and that your word enables us to accomplish your tasks. We ask this in the name of Jesus, who died and rose again, that we might be yours now and always. Amen. Amen. Thank you, brother. All right. Let's go ahead and just read the first verse here, because it's it's quite an interesting way to start out the book. We, we've seen this kind of thing before in Isaiah, uh, but this is a very kind of precise, I would say, way mm-hmm. of setting this scene. And so we can take a look at this first verse with all the names that are in it, um, some names that will kind of sound familiar and some that will sound familiar but they refer to different people. So uh, we'll, we'll take a look at that after we just read this first verse just to get the scene uh, staged here. So Haggai chapter 1, verse 1 in the English Standard Version. In the second year of Darius the king, in the sixth month, on the first day of the month, the word of the Lord came by the hand of Haggai the prophet to Zerubbabel the son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and to Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest. All right. Okay. So a few different figures listed besides Haggai, uh, yeah. who is just, just mm-hmm. called the prophet. We don't, I mean, doesn't say anything about where he is from, who his father is. It's a very short description. There seems to be more interest in the leaders at the time. And the three leaders we have mentioned are the king, the governor, and the high priest. Yes. And and as we look at that, as you're pointing out, the, the messenger isn't the point, so the messenger doesn't get publicity. Mm-hmm. It's the message that matters, and so we're just told it's Haggai. Now, right. in, in Ezra, we do hear that Ezra sends both Haggai and Zechariah together right. to do this work, and that's why, obviously, you're going to take a look at Zechariah next. But Mm-hmm. When when we look at, at the people, it's the, the Medo-Persian Empire, and so right. we have a, a Persian king who has sent back to Jerusalem, back to the conquered city of uh, territory under his control, a group of people who have been instructed to do two things. One is rebuild the city, the other is rebuild the temple. Right. And, and uh, those people are identified again. There's Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, and Shealtiel, and this man is an ancestor of Jesus. He's listed yes. in the genealogy of Jesus. So clearly we have already in the very introduction a place where we find Jesus being 
I'm going to use the word alluded to because an Mm. ancestor is mentioned. But then the other thing is the high priest, whose name, Joshua, Yeshua, is in fact the the Hebrew version of what we call the name Jesus. It's really the same name. So we're, we're focusing here on the one who has government position of authority and the one who has spiritual position of authority. And now we have the prophet, Haggai, the priest, Joshua, and the king, Darius, but also the the descendant of David, the king, Zerubbabel. So already in this very brief introduction, we've got the threefold office of Jesus identified as the word comes, and it comes by the hand of Haggai, which which means not just that the Lord sent him, but but that he's got it written down already. There's there's a yeah almost like a scroll yeah. going to be handed over. Yeah. Right. Yeah. No, that is really interesting because you you the way that that's introduced as um, as far as prophets go, this is this is unusual. I mean, this isn't yeah. the, the usual way anyway. When you look at you know um, you know I, Isaiah and the rest, what I think is more common is that you'll see something like, especially uh, you know in, in the narrative parts of scripture, you'll see stuff like. And and the word and it's the English translation is usually something like, and the word of the Lord was upon the prophet or came upon the prophet or something like that. And mm-hmm. in, in the Hebrew, in the Hebrew word, it's it's kind of literally a fall. Like like it, they get this idea of almost like the spirit or or this word falling upon the prophet, right? But the prophet here is uh, as you were saying, uh, given no prominence at all. I mean, like Haggai here is just making himself, he's just presenting himself as the delivery boy, right? It's just mm-hmm. yeah. re- really the word of the Lord has has come upon, has fallen upon Zerubbabel, um, you know, and mm-hmm. um, and Joshua. And it's just, you know, Haggai's just there to just kind of pass the message on, deliver the telegram. Yeah, and, and this is, again, the, the, very, the very narrow, precise focus of Haggai's message. It's, here's what needs to be addressed— and it starts off by going to the leaders responsible for seeing that God's instruction is then carried out in the, the nation, in the land uh, of of God's people in Israel, and I'll use the word restored Judah uh, from the Babylonian captivity. So we have a an application of God saying you came back from captivity with a purpose in in mind or specifically assigned to you, and now I'm sending a messenger to address that process. Right, right, and and that um, that that does make us then you know kind of wonder. Okay, like so, who who is this this guy this this messenger who is just already from the outset, um, a little bit different here, um, you know. But but like we were saying, this you just don't know a lot about this guy. I mean, we know from elsewhere, like you were saying, that he seems to have worked in conjunction with Zechariah, uh, and Zechariah we we get a lot more from. I mean, Zechariah, the book that we have is substantially longer, but, mm-hmm. but um, Haggai is just a little bit more uh, mysterious, isn't he? Yeah, and, and what's even a little bit ironic is the meaning of the name Haggai is uh, a form of the word festive, and, mm-hmm. and what he's doing is bringing a message that says it's not a whole lot of festive going on right now. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. No. There's um. Yeah. There's there's certainly no lack of 
irony in in the scriptures to be sure so um but but as you were saying um you know so you you have this maybe a little bit of a an, an ironic name here when it comes to to Haggai but as you were saying you got these other names here that are that are certainly foreshadowing Christ that you mm-hmm. have Zerubbabel the, the the governor the the son of Shealtiel right who is listed in the genealogies You've got um, Joshua, which, you know, we just looked at the name Joshua and talked about it for 24 chapters, right? Yeah. This, pre- mm-hmm. this prefiguring of the Lord Jesus. And the interesting thing is that this time he's not like the military leader. He's the high priest, actually. Yeah. So as, as you were saying, you know, you kind of got all all these elements kind of in play pointing ahead. But as you were saying, it's just who's the king, though, right? Is, is it Zerubbabel? Well, Zerubbabel's king-ish you know it says he's the governor yep. of judah mm-hmm. that's that's the kingly line the royal house in the south yeah but he's just the governor mm-hmm. the king is this pagan you, you know so so there's this there's this sense just in the beginning right that things are just not quite what they ought to be you know you got this haggai guy who uh is supposed to be festive but he's not really um and, mm-hmm. and then darius is the king not you know the Messiah of the Lord. Yep. So we're we're dealing with with things as they as as they are, which means they're not as they ought to be. <laughs> That's exactly. kind of the point of the book. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You know exactly. Well. Okay. So th- this this sets the stage for us here. Let's go ahead then and and return to the text and, and take a look at what he actually says here. You know wh- whether he. You know, had it written down and he was literally just you know handing it over <laughs> or if the idea is you know he was gonna speak it and then he was of course it ends up getting written down right but <clears throat> it starts off with the Lord speaking so here we have beginning in verse 2 thus says the Lord of hosts these people say the time has not yet come to rebuild the house of the Lord then the word of the Lord came by the hand of Haggai the prophet is it a time for you yourselves to dwell in your paneled houses while this house lies in ruins? Now, therefore, thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. You've sown much and harvested little. You eat, but you never have enough. You drink, but you never have your fill. You clothe yourselves, but no one's warm. And he who earns wages does so to put them into a bag with holes. Hmm. So let's let's mm-hmm. pause there. So uh, if we thought that there was a little bit hinting at uh, things are not as they ought to be, well, now we have it in spades, right? There's Absolutely. this description of, wow, this is, everything is wrong about this, right? Like we have an expectation or a desire and on many levels, and just none of these things are mm-hmm. are happening for us. None of these expectations or these hopes are being met. Yeah, and, and as we look at, at the words that are being used here, the, this is the message that comes from Yahweh Sabaoth, the, the Lord of hosts, um, and this is the, the personal name of God. And and he says, what's wrong here that, that you're not building the Lord's house? Is it a time for you to dwell in your own paneled houses and you have not yet rebuilt the house of, of the Lord? Keep in mind that, that uh, you know, the uh, people of Israel have come back from captivity, and the land has been devastated during the Babylonian siege of Jerusalem. Right. The local wood would have been 
cut down. Now, they've had 70 years in Babylon, so, you know, there's some, some new growth uh, forest here. So there's wood around, but there's very little stuff that's going to be older than, than 60, 65 years old. And my wife and I um, live on a farm where my mother grew up, and we recently had some logging done. It hasn't been done for probably 30 years. And what that meant was the, the logs they were taking out some of them might have been 40, 50, 60 years old, but everything that's younger than 30 years old is not salvageable or, shall I say, harvestable for lumber purposes. You can cut it all down for firewood, but to get mm-hmm. good quality lumber, the trees have to be older. So the mm-hmm. limited resources of lumber yeah. have already been used up locally for the people's own houses. What was hmm. done in the building of Solomon's Temple is literally they imported high-quality wood from another right, spot. Right. In this case, there's no high-quality import going on, but whatever was available hadn't been used for the house of Yahweh. And and so now this is the, the question. Why is it that this is going on? And what Yahweh says, verse 5, thus says the Lord of hosts, English translation there, consider your ways. Take a look around you. Uh, You've sown much and harvested little. You eat, but you don't have enough. You drink, you've not had your fill. You clothe yourselves, no one is warm. He earns wages, does not put them into a bag to keep, but a bag that's full of holes. And and the, the Hebrew phrase there, I think the English equivalent, consider your ways is one way to say it. But it it's really much more a graphic step back, take a look, get outside of yourself. Yeah, it, it's the same. It's the same phrase. It occurs to me that that Yahweh uses uh, when he is addressing Satan and Job. Have you taken a notice? Have you taken a look at my servant Job mm-hmm. and all of your wandering around and checking things out? Like, have you taken a good look at him? Yeah. Right. Like it, it does. It does seem to have this sense of, like you were saying, kind of getting out side of um, ourselves and kind of looking down at the situation and taking stock. Mm-hmm. sizing up the situation. Yeah. And the the other thought that came to my mind as I was reading through this was the uh, TV show host that asks the question, how's that working out for you? Um, <laughs> and and that's kind of what, that's kind of what Haggai is saying. Right. How's this working out? It's working out poorly. It's yeah. just getting nowhere. You've got the wrong right. priorities. The results you're getting are, are disastrous for you. Yeah, it is. It is right. It's like, hey, guys, like, would you just stop for a second? Because it because it was, as you were saying, I, I, I mean, a difficult situation. Right. I mean, they're, they're oh, yeah. they've come back and, and like to their credit. Right. And we, we looked at this and, you know, Daniel and Ezra, you know, they answered the Lord's call to, to come back and resettle, which was mm-hmm. not an easy thing. They were basically, you know, giving up, you know, Babylon, which was a, a place that had a, a lot of things going for it. Right. It, oh, it wasn't sure. destroyed when the Persians took it over. It was it was largely preserved, and so you're going from you know one of just the most advanced civilizations um, you know on Earth, mm-hmm. really, certainly in the region, to you know this uh, backwater country that's just unsettled in third world, you know, by comparison, and so they're just trying to make the best of things, like you were saying, you know, using whatever was available, mm-hmm. but in in the midst of their kind of you know, just kind of day-to-day, you know, frantic pace of just, you know, let, let's just keep up and try to, you know, make the best of things. 
hey guys, have you have you stopped and looked around and like scratched your head at this a little bit? Like this is not right. Mm-hmm. The, I mean, if, with all the work you're doing, you should be getting more than this. Like there, there's there's a problem here that's more than just you know uh, there aren't enough hours in the day. There, there's a problem more than just oh we well, just need to work harder or try or try harder. There's something yeah. else going on. There's a theological problem. Mm-hmm. The, the Lord is the Lord is saying your much effort won't accomplish what you desire because you're not prioritizing things the right way. Uh, he doesn't use those words, but it, it is the message that that Haggai is bringing. Right. You've already got your house finished, yet this house of the Lord, which you know the 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 work that Ezra started and and started with uh, Nehemiah they they laid a foundation for the for the house of Yahweh but it's not gone any further it's just the uh, foundation right. stones are there and no no further progress right right you know that that's right and and like and i think that when we see that word paneled there i don't know what what comes to mind if 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 maybe you know, someone might be thinking of, you know, uh, tenement housing or, or, you know, like uh, like trailers that are just patched up or something like that. But I, I think the idea is like, hey, you guys are actually dwelling in houses that have like, you know, walls and ceilings and stuff. Oh, yeah. Well-done <laughs> houses. Yeah. Right. So keeping keeping yeah. In the, the common building material in that part of the world for centuries, millennia, has been stone. Right. Partly because of some of the uh, earthquake-prone zone they live in, but also the stone is readily available, and often what you find is a previously used stone from another building. You can repurpose it. It's a whole lot easier and faster than the interior finishing would be the wood paneling as opposed to what we call a shiplap uh, house construction. That, That wasn't done then. That was not the way they built homes back then. Right. Right. So, so they have, you know, like they, they've gone and done like the interiors of, of their houses, right? Mm-hmm. You know, and then yeah. they, they're taking attention to all of this and hey, like, look, that's pretty nice place that you've been able to put together under the circumstances. But, but look at God's house. And, and this is something we'll, we'll see in both Haggai and, and Zechariah, this, this theme of disparity, this theme of like, hang on a second, you guys are being selfish. And in, in one way, stealing from each other from from your neighbor um but another way stealing from from god right and this and this is kind of a mm-hmm. theme that you see kind of generally even in these these latter minor prophets yeah. um only a, like a couple minutes before the break let's go ahead and read just the next uh chunk here of the first half because because he, he continues here uh, in this in this thought as he continues to to ask them to take sides of the situation and you know hey take take a look at this right and consider this really thus says the lord of hosts consider your ways go up to the hills and bring wood and build the house that i may take pleasure in it and that i may be glorified says the lord you looked for much and behold it came to little and when you brought it home i blew it away why declares the lord of hosts because of my house that lies in ruins while each of you busies himself with his own house therefore the heavens above you have withheld the dew and the earth has withheld its produce and i have called for a drought on the land and the hills on the grain the new wine the oil on what the ground brings forth on man and beast and on all their labors 
Yeah, we have so, the, clear, the clear statement that this yep. is Yahweh, the Lord of hosts, who is making a declaration. And, and this is, again, as we follow through the use of the word Lord of hosts, the, the word of Yahweh came by the hand of, of Haggai, and then he, he calls himself Lord of hosts several times right. so that they understand that he is God of heaven and earth. God of Jerusalem and Babylon, God of all things, not just a local God. This is the God of of the entire creation. And then he makes the point of it here in the verses 7 following, especially verse 11. He said, I'm I'm in charge, and, and what you're seeing around you is me telling you, wake up, you're screwing things up. He doesn't right. use that phrase, of course, but... <laughs> but hey, yes, that, that's certainly that's certainly the idea that this is this is meant to be a wake up call, right? This mm-hmm. this isn't just you know God's angry, and so you know as he's uh, kind of you know pouting or something about you know him not yeah. having a pretty house. No, this is this is meant to kind of you know get them to to consider again, right? To 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 take stock of the situation, to really think about it, and to consider just what's wrong with the picture. He's trying to get mm-hmm. their attention, like you were saying. Yes. Uh, yes we, we gotta get into our break here, but uh, everybody, hang with us. We're looking at a new book, Haggai Chapter One, here on Thy Strong Word, and we'll be right back. As the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return there but water the earth, making it bring forth and sprout, giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose, and shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. The prophet Isaiah chapter 55 verses 10 and 11. Begin and conclude your day with the word that accomplishes the purposes for which it is sent. Morning prayer at 7 a.m. and evening prayer at 5 p.m. Weekdays on KFUO. Christ for you anytime, anywhere. The broadcasts of morning prayer and evening prayer are underwritten by Lutherans for Life. Did you know that many LCMS military personnel and their families are unable to receive word and sacrament ministry due to the lack of LCMS chaplains? Ministry to the Armed Forces is looking for pastors who will answer the call to serve as a chaplain to provide word and sacrament ministry to the men and women who selflessly serve our nation. Find out more about this exciting ministry by contacting me, Chaplain Craig Mueller, at lcmschaps at lcms.org. That is lcmschaps at lcms.org.
Spinoza. We're looking at a new book. We're looking at Haggai chapter one. We just finished reading the first half of this first chapter, only two chapters here. So we're already a quarter through the book then, right? Um, And we're taking a look at this and it's the situation that we're going to have a little bit more time to think about because as we were saying, it does continue on in Zechariah, the situation of the exiles who have returned, uh, who are now among the survivors uh, who were left behind. And we're trying to make sense of the situation. And we just had this clear description here. It's not just that things are tough, right? It's not just that, you know, we don't have mm-hmm. a lot of quality wood available. It's not just that what we're having to rebuild and start from scratch. It's that because of the spiritual problem in the land, God has actually sent a drought on the whole region here. And so nothing is working out the way that it should. We're joined today by Pastor Stephen Tice from Frona, Missouri. If you have a question for me or Pastor Tice, you can give us a call. If you're one of our live listeners, you can call at 1-800-730-2727. If you're in St. Louis, 314-821-0850. Or you can send an email to kfuo at kfuo.org. Also, we thank our underwriters at the Lutheran Heritage Foundation. Check them out, lhfmissions.org, missionsplural.org. All right. So, yes, so it's it's now clear, right? We don't have to guess about, you know, mm-hmm. wh- well, why is this not working so out so well, right? Are they not using the right kind of seed? Are they not, not enough fertilizer? No, it's there's a theological reason um, God is actually punishing them and getting their attention. God has sent a, a drought, which is just, you know, I mean, one of the scariest things that basically ever happened in the ancient oh, yeah. world. Absolutely. And and this is in a land that has a limited amount of rainfall. The word that's used here is the dew that the Lord is holding back. Um, and, and in the, the whole process, we, we see that God is, is telling them that there's there's cause and effect here in this particular case, and and we have to be careful we don't then take that uh, revelation from God in in Haggai's message, and and apply it to every situation where there's a drought because that's not right. always the case. But it, it's the thing that I that I found in particularly um, I'll use the word fascinating. Hmm. He says, "Go up to the hills, bring wood, build a house that I may take pleasure in it, that I may be glorified." Right. The Lord says, I'll take pleasure in you obeying my word. I'll be glorified when you rebuild this house. This is why you need to go do it, not for yourselves, but because I've said to do this. And and then the phrase in verse 9, you looked for much, uh, the, the Hebrew uh, term there picks up the word face, which doesn't show up in the English too much when you looked for much. Uh, I I kind of saw it more in the idea of, you turned your head scanning from side to side for the increase, and there wasn't mm. any. And yeah. you're looking around saying, what's going on here? If, you know, if you imagine somebody turning their head side to side, scanning back and forth and saying, what's going on? And God's saying, this is what's going on. You've been looking around, scanning, puzzled. Why? I blew it away. You didn't bring it home and keep it. I took it from you. Why is all this happening? My house lies in ruins while each of you busies himself with his own house. Or to to put it another way, scurries back and forth attending to your own things. If we don't put God's word and his work first, 
Other things may still happen, but they won't be blessed in God's plan. Or as Jesus puts it, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, then all these other things will be added to you. And this is just a a simple way in which God's saying you put first your own priorities, your own physical needs, your own mistaken assessment that the world around you has to be overcome, then you can attend to the spiritual. And God's right. saying, you know, it's the other way that has to happen. Spiritual first, then the other things will fall into place. So, Right, just, yeah, right. Seek ye, seek ye first the kingdom, right? And then all these yeah. things. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And and the, the, the word drought and the word deserted, the, the Hebrew uh, construction there for the two words is... is same consonants are used for both drought and and deserted um, uh, ruin, the house of God lying in ruins or lying deserted, and then the word drought. I've called for the drought on the land and on the hills because my house lies in a in a ruined condition. Until the ruin of the house of God is changed, the ruin of the land will continue. The drought on the land, and in English we won't pick that up, but the people hearing it in Hebrew probably did get the immediate connection. Yeah, 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 that's right. It's yeah. it's sort of like, you know, I, I've brought the land to, de- uh, what is it, like, the, the, I've made this land a desolate place because my, my temple lies a desolation, right? Yeah. Something like that, where where it's, yeah, 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 no, that, it, it's helpful. We, we forget. Um, it is it is a prophet here we're talking about, which means that mm-hmm. it's poetic, right? I mean, yeah. and so the, mm-hmm. that's not... Um, anything different, even though we started out with um, kind of a very kind of precise chronological dating here, right? You went so far as to say it was, you know, in the second year, in the sixth month, on the first day of the month, right? Uh, but, you know, it's still poetry after after that we get into this. And as you were saying, it actually helps us to to make some of these these connections here. Yeah. And and so the, the thing is, it's it's drought now affects not just the people, but the animals, too. So the, the, mm-hmm. the role God gave Adam and Eve back in the garden to, to have control of the earth, to, to I'm going to use the Greek, uh, the, uh, the agri- agricultural phrase, to husband the earth. Um, mm. you know, they're, they're not properly caring even for the livestock and the animals because of their spiritual neglect of God's house. Everybody suffers, not just the people. And we sometimes overlook the fact that all of creation is groaning, for the right. revealing to be brought about when Christ returns. And here in this passage, we see it that God's held back the blessing on man and beast and on the work that they do. So. Right. And that is interesting to consider, you know, the, the part about the, um, you know, the animals and just the, the desolation, the drought. It reminded me uh, a lot about when we were reading in Isaiah, and we got to that part, that the chapters in the 50s that were leading up to chapter 60, that there's this description of you know the the people who are there in in the land, but you know after the exile, and, and it kind of I feel like this kind of completes the picture a little bit. That you have these descriptions of you know they're they're kind of groaning uh, like like animals actually is mm-hmm. the description, right? Because just things are things are not right, and uh, the the beasts of the field, the wild animals, right? They have come and and they devour and. There's this description that seems like they're talking about some kind of a calamity has been going on, and God is saying, "Well, it's because of your sin that it's that this is happening." And I remember when we were looking at it back in Isaiah, we were sort of saying, "Like, well, it, you know, Isaiah is not making it super clear what exactly the 
the problem that's going on. But it does seem to actually line up very nicely with what Haggai is saying, that there is a drought, um, and it's mm-hmm. because of the, the drought of faithfulness, you might say. Yeah. So yeah. It, it really is like all of these uh, prophets fitting together, actually, to help us um, understand the, the same picture. Yeah, there's there's a, a theme that recurs, and and I think we we think about water being necessary for life everywhere on the planet, and wherever human beings are, water is present. And if there's no water, there's no people. And and at the same time, it is through the washing of rebirth and renewal of the Holy Spirit in the water of baptism that God gives eternal new life, so that anywhere people live it's always possible for people to become part of God's new life. Right. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. I remember, and of course in Acts, right, um, where it's the Ethiopian eunuch who, who uh, desiring baptism, he says, well, look, here's, here's water, <laughs> right? Like you just, you just come across it, right? And there, there, there you have it, right? And there's a reason why even today we, we say things like, you know, just add water because it's like, well, you, mm-hmm. you'll find it somewhere, you know? So, oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, certainly. All right. Well, so I, I think this, this is this is all very good for us understanding. Okay, like what, what's the situation? Uh, what, what's the setting? You know, who who are we talking about? I think I think all those things have kind of come into focus very nicely. I I think now we should read the second half because this gets us to a little bit of well, okay. So what are, what is everyone going to do about it then? Mm-hmm. Right? And we and, and we had these people mentioned, right? Zerubbabel and Joshua, and okay, so I mean, what are these leaders going to say? What are they going to do? So that's what we that's where we pick up here in verse twelve, because after all, you know, Haggai's been saying that the word of the Lord has fallen upon Zerubbabel and Joshua, right? So what what do they do in response to this word? Here's verse twelve. Then Zerubbabel the son of Shealtiel and Joshua the son of Jehozadak the high priest with all the remnant of the people, obeyed the voice of the Lord their God and the words of Haggai the prophet, as the Lord their God had sent them. And the people feared the Lord. Then Haggai, the messenger of the Lord, spoke to the people with the Lord's message. I am with you, declares the Lord. And the Lord stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, the governor of Judah, and the spirit of Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest, and the spirit of all the remnant of the people, And they came and worked on the house of the Lord of hosts, their God, on the 24th day of the month, in the sixth month, in the second year of Darius the king. Yeah, and it's interesting in in light of the fact that, you know, we've divided the Bible into chapters, but what what Haggai does is he gives us the, the bookends, if you will, with the time reference. And what we're told is this, this is a period of, of, 20 days. It mm-hmm. was month six, day one, that he came with the message, and now we're told on day 20, not even three weeks later, there is an active response. And and we look at the the words that are used here, and I, I'm struck by the, the phrases that are, again, used about God. Zerubbabel, Joshua, with all the remnant of the people, that key word remnant, the Lord mm-hmm. says a remnant shall return, obeyed the voice of, and now it's not Yahweh Sabaoth, now it's Yahweh their God. Mm-hmm. 
The focus now is on the relationship of restoration rather than the God who stands back and says, I'm the ruler of all things, and here's what you're not doing. What's our relationship from this point forward going to be? You haven't given priority to my concern about this house. And what we're told is the word of the Lord brings reaction. God moves through his word. And then what we see in faith is the people are acting. And before, it it was, I'm going to say this in a, in a risky way, there was no proclaimed word of the Lord. There was active worship. There was an altar. The high priest was offering a sacrifice. But the people didn't have the house of God to assemble for worship. Therefore, they weren't hearing the word. They were just seeing the enactment of the sacrifice. Observing from a distance does not bring change. The word of God proclaimed, shared, heard, that's where the Holy Spirit now works on God's people. And that happens in the life of the Church today. Certainly. In particular, yeah. Cer- in particular, certainly, yeah, have- yeah. I, yeah, I, th- I think that that's definitely what this second half of the chapter highlights, just the, the power of the Word and how it changes. And, you know, it's hard to say exactly what the situation was like for those exiles, you know, as they were making their return and what it was like, you know, when, when they, you know, first got there. We do know from Ezra, right, that, things were not quite right. I mean, they didn't have enough people to even Mm -hmm. serve as uh, Levites, right? And so they had to kind of round up some more, right? And so, you know, to to your point, it's it's questionable to what extent they were, you know, spiritually being attended to, right? And so um, it's not not hard to imagine a situation where uh, there's a situation where they're they're really not getting very much in the way of preaching. But, But here they get the word, right? And then it's very interesting because in verse 12 in Hebrew, the word is, and then they, they heard or, and then they listened. And it's, it's just fascinating how in both the Old Testament in Hebrew and in the New Testament in Greek, this idea of listening is just, it's just pervasive. And, it, and it's really kind of listening. And it's a, it's a nice way of putting it in English because English does the same thing where listening on the one hand is you know, pay, paying attention, right? And we've seen that paying attention theme here, right? Hey, hey guys, uh, you know, snap out of it. L- look look around, right? Take stock of what's going on, right? So uh, listening has that element. Hey, like, you know, hear the words, like, you know, pay attention. But on the other hand, listen, right, in English too, mm-hmm. means you actually do something. You actually follow through. You obey, right? You know, when, when um, you know, <laughs> when a mother says to her child, you know, like you, you have, you have to listen to mommy, right? She's yep. not saying like what you, you, you know, need to take my words and perspective into consideration, right? Like, no, no. <laughs> that's not, not what mommy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no. Right. M- mommy's no, you gotta, you gotta listen, obey. Right. And so that, that's actually, <clears throat> you know, I think why. Uh, the ESV goes and translate it, translate it as obey, right? But but it but it is literally the same word that's actually here, right? As in like hear, O Israel, the Lord. At, to your point, your God, mm-hmm. the Lord is one, right? I mean, like so, it, it's a very relational word. It's it's a word that you know, it really recalls the promises of God and says, hey. Mm-hmm. Now you've got the word in your ears, and that's going to change the situation here. Yeah. And, and then we have this 
this present tense verb that because of the flow of the language it gets translated as as a past tense the people feared Yahweh um, the the verb itself is actually constructed the people are fearing Yahweh they're they're in this process of listening doing obeying relational word again fear well certainly yeah it's certainly a relational word and and we and we've seen it throughout the Old Testament that you know it's uh I mean, this is really the Hebrew word for faith, basically. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you, you know, like if you're God-fearing, right, that means you, you have faith in God, that this is just the, the, the Hebrew way of expressing the idea. That's, um, that's int- I hadn't considered, you know, how, how it might be taken with kind of a, with, with sort of a, like a, like a present sense. I was looking at it and, and seeing it as similar to actually that, that listened word, like the same sort mm-hmm. of form that the idea is it's like, it's another level of the response. Like they come out and they, and they yeah. do something. And and so, I mean, so to your point, the, the ESV translation, the people feared the Lord, like it would that like, okay, like that was just something that was happening. Right. Is it, not quite what's going on. Like, actually this is something happening. And you yeah. almost want to say something like they were, they were, they were filled with fear or kind of translating it into our kind of a new Testament, you know, ears, they were they were filled with faith, right? I mean, like this is like you know when our, our Lord and, and John, right? You know, he performs mm-hmm. the miracle. What's it say? The disciples put their faith in him, mm-hmm. right? Like we faith is inspired by the word of God. It, it is exactly the origin. It is where our faith comes from. The word, the word made flesh. The word enacted in baptism. The word presented in the, in the sacrament of the altar. It's faith fed by God's Word. And, and without the feeding that comes through God's Word, without the dew that comes down from heaven, there's no growth. And, right. and that spiritual connection from the, the withholding of the physical uh, comes out in, in this. And the Lord stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel is how the ESV has it. Yeah, yeah. And he roused them in their spirit where the problem was. It wasn't in their day-to-day activity. It was in the internal um, relationship, their, their, for lack of a better statement, their life of faith had become dormant. It needed to be awakened. Right. Yeah, yeah. I like, I I really appreciate you drawing our attention to that, to that phrase, right? I mean, it's, it's very interesting. It's not like, you know, and Zerubbabel and, and Joshua, they, you know, they, they got up the gumption to do something about the situation, right? Or they, they kind of like, you know, they, they pumped themselves up and they're like, okay, okay, we're going to do this. You know, they, they did enough, you know, positive thinking exercises, right? But it's, uh, <laughs> it, it's it, the subject is, is God, Yahweh, stirred up their spirits, you know? It's, uh, well, I mean, just like you were saying, it's, it's God who's the actor. Who, God is the one who's lifting them up right this idea like they're kind of they're 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 down they're they're low energy they're in mm-hmm. the dust they're they're staring down below at themselves and at the situation right in discouragement they're not looking up and they're not looking up at god and so what's the situation well god is going to gently reach down his hand and touch them by the chin and lift up their heads so that they can see more than what they have limited themselves to it, it's god changing their perspective through his word by changing what they see, putting something else before them. And 
and it uses the word spirit there. And that, that, that's another thing, too, that we, we don't sometimes think about this. But Zerubbabel has a spirit, and Joshua has a spirit, and, and the people, it says, has a spirit. Yeah. Um, and, and the question is, what are our spirits aligned with? Because right now they're aligned, apparently, you know, with, with the, the, the bad spirits, the unclean spirits of the world. But here yeah. they're being lifted up to be aligned with the Holy Spirit. Yeah, and, and it's the spirit within us, which has to be the Holy Spirit or the, the other spirit within us, within my flesh, as Paul reminds us, dwells no good thing. So the Lord has to fill us with his spirit. And when that happens... The world sees it. Uh, it becomes, you know, faith alone saves, but faith is never alone. Faith always leads to the fruit of faith, or we use the word good works. It doesn't matter which label we use, fruit or good works. Faith always produces this. Right. Faith never stops with just believing. Faith always moves to action. It can't help it. It's what faith is. Right. That's a good point. It's not It's not as if, right... Um, it's not as if God, you know, he he throws this message out there. Uh, they they decide to listen to it and and come to faith, and then kind of uh, like optionally or and in addition, right? God happens to stir up their spirits, like oh well, good mm-hmm. good thing that happened also, right? Uh, but but no, it, it's like you were saying. It really these are just kind of inevitable steps in the process here, right? That. He gives the word, and so what's going to happen? Well, yeah. then you get the obedience of faith, to use the phrase that Paul uses so many times, especially in the book of Romans, right? Like that, mm-hmm. that obedience of faith or that, that hearing of faith, right? That listening of faith. It's the same uh, kind of double meaning there in, in the Greek there with uh, akoi, right? So, and, yeah. and then what happens here with um, the stirring up, It's this isn't like an extra step. It's like, well, this is this is what happens logically next but what's fascinating yeah. is that in every step of this process like as you were saying which you you have to do it, it it's what happens naturally in a way of speaking well it's only by the nature of god though <laughs> and it's everything according to his working every step of the way right it's not as if well he he kind of lights the spark or something and then they kind of carry out the rest on their own it's it's god every step of the of the way even through the the building that they're commencing here in the 24th day of the month in the 6th month in the second year of Darius yeah and and the 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 spirit of all the people is stirred up so that you know it's not it's hard for us to grasp this at one level it's not like some people say well i don't care no everybody's moved the yeah. whole group is now involved. And this is part of the way we see the image of uh, Paul talks about the church is Christ's body, and individually you are members of it. And, and what we see here is that the individual members of the body all function within the group together. Um, we, we hear the word assembly or congregation. In, in the Greek, the word is ekklesia, the ones called out to be God's people. The Old Testament phrase or term is usually translated uh, the whole congregation or the whole assembly, but it's this understanding that when the Spirit of God moves, all parts of the body do something in co- cooperation, in function with the rest of the body. We don't know the same thing, but everything functions. And so we see that here in this rebuilding of God's house, all the people are working together on this project. 
You know, that's right. It's it's what we've seen, um, you know, in Joshua, right? Like all this mm-hmm. conversation about like the, the whole congregation of Israel, right? Um, yeah. wh- whether it was, you know, the, like the whole congregation is going out into battle or the whole congregation is punishing Achan for his disobedience or the whole congregation is assembled at Shiloh to receive God's blessing and to yeah. be in the presence of God at the tabernacle. It, it's just kind of again and again and again, you see this idea of God works in his church, in this united group, you know, it's not like Haggai is like, Hey guys, you know, just whichever one of you guys feel, uh, you know, particularly motivated to donate something to the cause here, you know, just, you know, whatever, whatever is good, you know, just decide you personally as an individual. I mean, I mean, it's not, it's just not like that. The the dynamic is so well, like, yeah. Or organic as a body, right. Is, is the image, right. I mean, it's, uh, it's so it's like this in the Old Testament too. That already this is this is the the body of Christ, even even before Christ's incarnation. That you know we have these problems so often because there's there's community problems. Yeah. And the solution is that God would stir up the whole community, and and not just um, you know individuals thinking on things in their own consciences privately. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and once the the Lord has moved them and they're active. Then it's the plural. They came and worked. Right. It was it was again the joint effort, and doing the work, whatever that work was to build the house, and keeping in mind that some of these folks are are not going to be carpenters and stonemasons, and so they may just simply be laborers, picking up and moving things, or maybe they're helping to remove the debris that's gathered in the uh, the whatever it is, twenty years. 15 years since they came back from Babylon originally and nothing was done right. beyond lay the foundation. So, Right. And thank you for bringing that up. Cause I feel like that's something that we, that we need to take stock of and, and to take into consideration here, take a good look at, right. Because, you know, I feel like in many of, you know, I think just yesterday we were talking about, um, you know, the, the making disciples for life um, mm-hmm. initiative, on, on uh, behalf of the Office of National Mission, yeah. we, we can fall into like these these patterns of like, you know, we've been in decline for 15 years now, right? Like nothing's been happening, you know, like we only just a few people have joined us and, you know, givings down, right? Just, you know, wh- what's going to happen? That we have this bad trend, right? And isn't it just something, right? After 15 years, right, or something like this, like you were saying, of just mm-hmm. neglect of the temple, the, the, the temple of God in ruins, right? Right. Just over 23 days of this intense preaching on the part of of Haggai, everything changes. Everything changes. The whole people change. I mean, Mm -hmm. we we can't count the word of God out and we we can't go into thinking like, oh, well, nothing can change this situation. Like God's word is powerful stuff. Um, Anyways, it's amazing here so much, like we were saying, in just this this short little uh, chapter with just these 15 verses Mm -hmm. here. But. Um, just a lot, a lot of uh, a very interesting situation that speaks to our situation today. Thank you for helping to break You're it welcome. down and, uh, yeah, helping us to see how, you know, we, we have this continuity in Christ, um, even with the situation back then. There, there's Christ working through his word to bless and change his people. Thank yes. you, brother. You're welcome. God's blessings with you. Peace be with you. Everybody, that was Pastor Stephen Tice, pastor from Frona, Missouri. All right. We've gotten halfway through the book already. So moving on to Haggai chapter two, before we turn to Zechariah. Thanks for joining us today, everybody. 
Till then, I'm Pastor A.J. Espinosa. Peace. You've been listening to Thy Strong Word, produced by the Lutheran Church, Missouri Senate Office of National Mission in cooperation with Worldwide KFUO, the official broadcast ministry of the LCMS. Your support is vital for this program to continue. You can make a gift safe, secure, and easily online at kfuo.org. Thank you for listening and supporting Thy Strong Word.